Hey, book lovers, welcome back for another Adapted here at Book Circle Online. Today, we're talking a very great story, one that has been adapted into so many different iterations. That, of course, is Peter Pan. So stay tuned. This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. That's right. Indeed we are. We have Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. What's your happy thought? Oh, so many. Just us talking about this story is a happy thought. There you go. I am Phil Svitek. Excited to be here to talk this this great book that has just been, just stood the test of time, really. Yeah, absolutely. It is so iconic, and I'm excited to talk about it couple of things to note if you're joining us for the very first time. Number one, we are going to be spoiler-filled uh, in the sense that we will reveal what the book is about, the plot, and by extension, the other adaptations. In this case, multiple adaptations. Yeah. Uh, the other thing to note is you can... We have a rundown. You can follow along. It has pictures, clips, as well as research. Uh, it's included in the description as a little zip file. You just download it. It might take a minute. It's a pretty heavy file. And unzip it, and then you get all the goodies, if you will. So, uh, of course, as we like to kick things off, we have to know what our overall impressions were. So, Marissa, what did you think of the book, Peter Pan? I was really excited to read the book. I... When I was a kid, I read, like, the abridged kids' version, child version of Peter Pan. Um, always watched the movies, but actually have never read the actual book. So going to it, reading it as an adult, I think I have even more appreciation just for the themes of growing up, maturity. I can understand why Peter Pan wanted to stay a boy and never wanted to grow up. And as an adult, I can understand why it appealed to the masses in that way. So I really enjoyed it. It didn't really deter me from like previous thoughts that I had of the story. Um, I loved it even more. Yeah, I think that for some reason, the the idea of Peter Pan and whatever iteration is just always so fascinating. And to finally get at the source material to see where it all came from. Now, granted, th- even this book in it of itself was not the original incarnation of mm-hmm. it. Right. So um, Peter has a long history. Uh, and the author, J.M. Barry, uh, it's a very morbid way that he derived towards Peter Pan. And... In in the book, uh, Peter Pan, which used to be called Peter and Wendy, is actually quite morbid, especially at the end. Yeah, it's definitely a darker toned version. And I think in the generation that you and I grew up with, Disney has taken over the Peter Pan story and in a way really glamorized it, made it light, made it more fun, um, took out the darkness. I mean, there are some dark elements, but it's not nearly as dark as what it originally started with. So that I do appreciate, but also just it reminds you of who J.M. Barry was and his life. It wasn't so happy. And they usually say, like, some of the unhappiest people can make some of the happiest things and stories. And, yeah, I feel like it kind of applies to this. Indeed. I mean, he... The common conception is that it it goes back to his brother when his brother died at a very young age um in the most tragic of ways basically being frozen to death in, a, in water yeah it was from an ice skating incident he his brother david fell um cracked his skull and also and ended up dying but it, it caused like such a rift in the family where his mother was depressed and treated and and jam barry came from a big family so he had a big family to take care of his mother was depressed he was depressed and it just kind of took him into a life where he just always wanted to make his mom happy and kind of reverted to always retaining a youth like a youth like innocence then also later on in life he he would end up taking care of a lot of kids that weren't necessarily his own um, he kind of became a surrogate father in that way. So children and childhood was kind of a constant theme throughout his, you know, professional career and his life in general. And so, you know, he just found a great fascination with it. And, you know, in the case of Peter Pan, kept retinkering 
the notion of it through, you know, when we talk about adaptations, he himself made a musical, made a play of it and, and, and whatnot. And so, um, you know, he, the, this is the true story of a full adaptation, really. Yeah, and what I like as an author is that he was always adding to his own story. He was always adapting or really appendaging more to it and because uh, it started off as a play. And then he added more characters to it after a few iterations. Then he added to and made it into a full book and then got converted into musicals. So he himself even added more to his own story over the years. Absolutely. And the first sort of notion of Peter Pan was in um, The Little White Bird back in 1902. Not even, that's almost last century. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, and then kind of it was republished, in Peter Pan and Kensington Gardens, so that was 1906, uh, and then this slowly, um, by and by, uh, came to fruition until 1911 when this finally became a book that it is, and originally titled Peter and Wendy. Right, and then in between, it was actually after the Peter and Wendy that they had the first stage adaptation of the story and then after that actually became a full-fledged book so there, there were a lot of stages to the story indeed and it's hard to you know when you talk about like if you talk about marvel movies like what's canon or something like that uh neverland used to be like never neverland mm -hmm. but then it was shortened to neverland um and all these different things so you know for for all intents and purposes we are going to go with that this book called peter pan in today's day and age is gospel <laughs> yes it is canon <laughs> indeed that's what we're sticking to uh let's talk about some of your you know the the interesting part is um not to get too far ahead but as far as the disney peter pan um it's very true to how the book sort of plays out overall like there's and and most adaptations uh especially early on there's not a lot of changes that happen. It's only till kind of we start creating this revisionist Peter Pan version mm -hmm. that we get into a lot of differences from the book to the adaptation. Right. And I think if we're, we're going to get slightly into the, the Disney Peter Pan, I, they actually uh, took out a lot of what's in the book. And they just went from like scene to scene to scene. And they actually added some more dialogue and more different scenes so that children who are watching the film can actually understand it better and understand the timeline of oh this is how tiger lily got captured when this mm -hmm. event was also happening with the lost boys and it's like it really set up a a better visual timeline for children to understand what's happening at what time and that i actually appreciate um it added more to the story and more understanding one of the things i was actually quite surprised at with what was the timeline in the book like for it, it was pretty much like months that they stayed in Neverland. They leave. It's a very tragic event, and I always took it to like they're just gone for let's say a week tops. Right. But it almost took like just a couple of days just to get to Neverland. Exactly, and and I think those are also just there are so many different rules to Neverland. Time obviously is not a guide in Neverland. It it doesn't really exist. It's just you. It's a place you go to forget growing up because it is it's a place where you defy um time and maturity and stuff so like it's irrelevant when you get there and so you don't even think about what else is happening in your personal life when you get there and granted these are children who aren't thinking of oh i have to go to work the next day you know it's it's not like that whatsoever so i like the fact that now there are the different rules to neverland time doesn't matter and then also the longer you're there the more likely you are to forget your previous life. Yeah, which kind of, it, I I liken it to if you go on vacation and all of a sudden you make it like a permanent vacation, like you start to forget your old life. Exactly. And, you know, for better or worse, um, ideally for better. Uh, but but I, I actually took that away as part of the, you know, the, the tone there. And it was, it does explain a lot of things that, um, you know, throughout, like what, what's great about a book is that even just through one simple line, it's not exposition. It just kind of, it just explains it. 
and it's not mm-hmm. forceful. Whereas in any sort of adaptation to say something, you know, along those lines of, you know, uh, whatever it may be, kind of feels shoehorned in. But then you're kind of left wondering what are the exact rules. And I appreciate that that the book overall laid out everything. Yeah, and I'm glad there wasn't so many rules because if there were if there were rules and stuff, then it'd be like a regular world that you're living mm-hmm. in. You have to abide by certain guidelines. It's like it's just like living in a regular country. You can have your freedom, but you also can't do X, Y, and Z. So again, that I feel that having rules applies to adulthood, whereas this is just land where you can just be free to do anything, and that reflects of just the freedom and innocence of a child. Absolutely. Um, you know, ironically, the rules started to come in place when Wendy became the mother. Yes. She introduced medicine. Medicine. And bedtime. Bedtime stories. and But I like that because she was still, she's at the age where she's mini adults. Pre, she's like a preteen. She's old enough to understand um, the adult-like mentality, but yet still young enough to literally still be considered a minor she's the in-between um and but i liked how she she did become a surrogate mother figure inadvertently because the whole rule of neverland is to knock her up but they needed a parental figure to keep the boys in check (laughs) yes and peter um peter liked being a leader but uh he he really wasn't a leader in fact you know one of the more surprising aspects of the book was how selfish and conceited in fact that's made a point one of the one of the reasons when you look at the the biggest sort of things that has come out in terms of the book you you have hook and peter right the the Mm -hmm. age-old rivalry and it mainly stems because hook despises peter for his arrogance yeah definitely his arrogance um and also in the book stated that there was always a quality about peter that always irked him and it was also his cockiness too mm-hmm. and you you said peter he's kind of like he is a lone wolf yeah he's not really like the kids look up to him the the lost boys look up to him but peter would like to go off on adventures on his own and not tell the guys where he's going um he he, he can go anywhere because he can fly um, so it, he really was his own, own character and he, and like flew, I guess you can say at the beat of his own drum. Yeah, and the, the other part, like as far as the boys, it was surprising that they all could fly because generally it's just the, the four of them that, that tend to fly. Um, and one of the, the other aspect of it, when they were flying to Neverland, <laughs> the fact that Peter almost forgot, like, who are these people? <laughs> yeah. I was like, "What? Like, oh yeah, I know you guys." But again, I, I think it also shows the longer that you are away from Neverland, you do forget where you come from too. Mm-hmm. Like the the farther away from home you are, the more you forget your home. Indeed, indeed. And the you know um, the other aspect that I want to sort of talk about before we start making comparisons, um, I, I want to get your thoughts on the ending because I felt like the ending a just kept going. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like, oh, it was a good lesson when he kind of grew up and maybe Mr. Darling was remorseful. Uh, Mrs. Darling was always just, uh, I'll just use her name, quite a darling. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, and then then we get this continued version that I don't know how I, don't know how I feel about. Oh, interesting. Okay. I actually enjoy the ending. The, the repeating of the granddaughter will now grow up and become the quote-unquote mother to Wendy and the boys and everything, and then the the cycle just repeats. I like that in just the folklore of and the, the, the legacy of the story where that can still apply to just books and storytelling, that you can tell this to your grandchild, they'll grow up, they'll tell it to their grandchild, and therefore the story will just keep continuing throughout the centuries, like the story. And I think it's actually pretty smart on jam bear to be like this is a story that i hope lasts for years and years and years that i can get behind the fact of and then nana she was dead <laughs> nana and died. then you know these people died and he got old and fat and then they were miserable working at their jobs mm-hmm. i was just like wait i thought the point was to highlight that growing up didn't have to be so bad and wendy it granted embodies that like she's happy she's married blah blah blah. 
that's all well and good, but everyone else is written into this existence of uh, of just meekness and despair. See, I didn't really see it like that. I saw it as that was just that's the reality of growing up that Peter has been defying his entire life that that's why he keeps going to netherland and neverland so he doesn't grow up because when you do you do get old you do unfortunately pass away but if you keep the innocence going within your child within your grandchild you still have the ability to keep going back to neverland so really the story is truly about wendy everyone else continues their mistakes but wendy knows best I mean, you can think that, but my biggest takeaway was that, yes, unfortunately, that is just a sad reality that you do have to grow up. People do, you do have to pass away, but keep your innocence and you can still keep coming back to Neverland. I I feel like we just need to (laughs) tighten the ending a little bit more. I I think, yes, we all need to grow up. That's, that's reality. I just don't like the idea that it has to be depressing. (laughs) Uh, well, I think the way he wrote it was like, and Anna passed away because she got old, and this person passed away because he got old. Like, I get it. He just kept listing everything that passed away, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that is sad. We got, like, five deaths in one page. Yeah, that is sad. Um, so maybe it's just the way he killed off all of the characters so quickly that you don't like. Yeah. Yeah, I think if we if, if 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 he just could go back and touch it up to embody the spirit that you highlighted of, of generations and passing on, that in itself is beautiful. Okay. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I just, I maybe it's because it's contextually, um, you know, I, I tie in his life into it and knowing that he didn't have the like the happiest of lives, like everything around him just kept dying. I'm like, ah, oh, right. oh, dude, you're bumming everyone out. Maybe that's just dashing your Disney ending of a happy ending. Because, you know, we when we think Peter Pan, we don't think death. We think happiness. We think life and living and defying death. And then when you actually read the book and you realize, oh, the actual ending has so many deaths, you're like, ah, oh, crap, that does ruin the ending. I can understand why you're <laughs> frustrated. So maybe it's just like you're not used to a sad ending for no. the Peter Pan that you grew up with. When Peter's happy. And so is Wendy. And so is Toodles and Nana. And Toodles and everybody. And Mr. and Mr. And Mrs. Darling and Michael and John and all of them. Anywho. All right. So let's let's talk about the various things that um, that go into this book that make it such a spectacle. Number one, I think Neverland in general. Like, it's just it's just a mystical place. You know, no different than, let's say, the Bermuda Triangle or the <laughs> Arctic or whatever, you know, Narnia, whatever fictional place you want to categorize it into. I don't love all those places, except for the Bermuda Triangle, because I've never been there. Um, what I enjoy about Neverland, because every time we do see it in the movies and television shows and whatever, uh, any adaptation, we do see the actual island. It is a mysterious island. There are different rules to the island. Some people can fly. Some people are ground grounded and and there are different locations and different spots on the islands like the engines lived here the pirates lived here and no one could find peter pan and all the lost boys because they had their own hidden place so like i liked how everyone was dispersed throughout and it's cool every time you see it in the different series of like what their take on it because it is it's not really a dark place it's a place of full of light and color yeah it generally tends to be tropical yeah. Um, with high trees, lush, you know, um, the the ocean in general, like you can see to to the bottom, you know, no matter how deep it tends to be, um, especially like when, when you add in the mermaids into it, you know, that mm-hmm. tends to be a very fun aspect of it. And just flying in general. <laughs> yeah. That's, it, I think, you know, you go back to like the Wright brothers and, um, you know, at the time that he wrote this, it was always man's dream to fly you know now our dream is to make it to space which we have but like not on a regular take the bus type of way for the average person like travel to space but also live the tale yeah um and and i like that because it kind of does show just that jm barry's imagination literally had no bounds that he could think of, of a wonderful place where all these different things could exist that didn't exist at the time he was living. And, you know, he, he set up one of the most fundamental rules with flying. It takes two things, fairy dust and happy thoughts. 
And, you know, from that perspective, like, you don't question it. It makes total sense. Okay, think happy thoughts, great. And you need some fairy dust. Got it. Um, apart from that, you know, and, and a lot of the things tend to, you know, like, they tend to be maybe, let's say, elongated as far as any of the theater plays or whatever, but just... Just the spectacle of people flying tends to be such a fun atmosphere of it that even though there's not, quote, story happening, it's just fun to watch. Right. And I've seen different Peter Play adaptations actually on stage, and you can tell how people take the the flying aspect. Some people actually do uh, are rigged and, you know, are flying by rope and stuff like that. Um, I have actually seen in production where... They did a, a entire backdrop of the London city, but the the kids Wendy and Michael and John that they're actually on roller skates and they're like <laughs> pretending like they're flying behind the backdrop or like in front of the backdrop of London. So th- even that, there's so many people take different creative ways of showing just flying in general because it's fun. Indeed, indeed. Uh, going back to this idea of Neverland, there is a great video about a real life Neverland and how to find it. If you just type in uh, Film Theory Neverland hmm. in YouTube, it's a fun video. It's about 15 minutes. Um, now, whether or not I agree with it, I don't know. Whether or not you agree with it, I don't know. But it's worth noting. And you know what? Maybe you might be able to visit the real Neverland. Okay. Peaking my interest. And no, it's not in Disney. <laughs> okay. I kind of, well, I kind of figured. Um, anyway, the other aspects of it, uh, the crocodile tends to be a, a big part of any adaptation. I love the crocodile because in some adaptations, it's really scary. It is a terrifying creature, as crocodiles should be in real life. And others, it's like really, you know, fun cartoonish. I'm thinking of the Disney version um, that's very cheeky um, in that way. So, like, But I like the representation of the crocodile that even Hook was plagued by time. Mm-hmm. Um, time is something that like always scared him. He was always running away, and t- it's just the the notion that time eventually is after us all. Yeah, that's that's a good way to think of it. Even in a place like Neverland. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the which, clock is literally chasing them. Which it it was kind of funny to note that in the book, um, Peter keeps going to the crocodile so he can figure out what the time is <laughs> in a place where time really doesn't exist. The fact that we keep having to check the watch, so to speak, is, is kind of ironic. Yeah, and it's also good to have Hook has another, you can say, nemesis besides Peter Pan. And mm-hmm. it's more of an animal rather than a, a human boy. Mm-hmm. Or is he really human now? But a mystical boy. A boy like no other. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of Hook, I think that's... Uh, you can sort of talk about the history of it, but, um, you know, Hook is is the greatest sort of nemesis. When you look at pirates in general, they're so visual and it's fun. And just the, the, the term pirates right off the bat indicates like nemesis. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like most times, unless unless you're doing kind of like an antihero story, pirate means bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's always a negative connotation to pirates. But when you actually follow the different pirates... Um, under the the guide of Captain Hook, there really aren't they're, they're not bad bad people. They're just following whatever Hook wants to do. They they're really like caricatures in a way. They're they're very comedic. Um, they obviously don't have a lot of intelligence. So just in that, it's 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 fun to watch them just be goofy. Um, so like I was never really afraid of the pirates. They I found them always more as more comedic characters. Well, they actually resemble each other quite well the pirates and the lost boys because you know they both have a leader hook and peter mm-hmm. uh at, to your point they are comedic the boys in particular like what do you think toodles what do you think uh slightly what do you think twin mm-hmm. <laughs> and they would just go down the line like this and just became a running gag throughout the whole book which i found funny yeah and like it, it'd be hook and his lost men <laughs> which are the the pirates and then Peter and the Lost Boys. So like the the adults had their group and Peter Pan had his kids group. Um think and but it's also fun to see adults play against children. Mm-hmm. And in a world of Neverland where you're never supposed to grow up, it just makes me question and it never really explains how the adult pirates got there. Well, people get there at different stages in life, you know. You exactly. find your way. Um there was definitely a lot of killing too. <laughs> 
Like, uh, <laughs> for example, in the fact that he kills Hook, which is such a seminal part of, you know, the story, that he's like, who? Oh, after I kill him, I forget who they are. <laughs> like, what? Really? Oh, yeah. That guy. Um, and I liked it because it was so quick. I actually had to go back and and reread the page. I was like, oh, yeah, that's how it happened. <laughs> like, he, he bested him in a sword fight, and then the crocodile eventually got him. So I was like, it is such a quick death where I'm glad, like, it, it wasn't, like, fully flushed out and it was bloody and this. And because kids are reading this, you, you can't really expand upon a, gri- a grisly death. Yeah, but even... I was shocked by, like, when Michael comes back to the first thing he says to Mr. Darling and, and it makes a punchline of, thank God Mr. Darling was actually asleep, was, he's a lot smaller than the pirate I killed. <laughs> right. Yeah, I did like that line. He's like, he's not as big as that last pirate. Um, and, but it also kind of puts things in perspective for the kids, too, that generally the adults or like the kids were kind of afraid of the adults at the beginning, but then when they go back to the actual adults, they're like, oh, yeah, there's really nothing to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. So I liked how it did change their perspective on things. Indeed. Can you can you give us the insight into Hook? Because originally he was not a character, or he wasn't um, as fully fleshed out as he is in, in yeah. the final version. So Hook wasn't in, isn't, wasn't in the original version. Um, he was added during the stage adaptation, Mostly because they needed to add more time so the stagehands on the side of the stage could have more time to flip s- stages and sets. Um, so if any of you have been in the theater, because I have, I come from a theater background, um, that is when when the curtains go down, lights change, every all the furniture change and whatnot to the next stage. Um, that's the t- that's the turnaround where the, the stagehands can change the set. Um, they needed more time during certain scenes, so they added the character of Hook so he can add dialogue while they're doing set changes behind him. Hmm. And for that, that just built up another character for the story, another nemesis for Peter Pan. Yeah, I, I think it was the more brilliant aspect of this entire story because he, he's like the joker to the batman just yeah. an absolute necessity and it's cool to think because when you think peter pan you automatically also think captain hook but then when you know that little tidbit you're like oh it's weird to think that captain hook wasn't originally part of the story mm-hmm. uh the other aspect between peter hook and i didn't quite see this but um just the love triangle of wendy and some versions apparently go a little bit deeper than that, but most versions have kind of taken out any notion of a love triangle or love story in general. Oh, absolutely. There's like the just the notion of affection for one another, but they kept it very PG. It's more so G, <laughs> just rated G, because um, there's really no kissing, even though I'll give you a kiss, it's just only just a thimble. It's not an actual kiss kiss on the lips but in a lot of different adaptations there are different versions of the kiss and like and i like how they keep their relationship still somewhat you can say platonic um because it doesn't feel right when peter would have a love life for being the just the character in his story he always wants to be by himself have his own adventures and to be attached to someone well, I think it's even less being attached to someone. It's usually like falling in love is a sign of maturity. It's a sign of, mm-hmm. you know, coming of age and he can't grow up. So if he falls in love, um, which is kind of the whole notion of hook, then he grows up. Yeah. And, and so we can't have that. Can't fall in love. Falls in love. He grows up. Uh, speaking of which, let's um, do you want to start diving into the various iterations that have been adapted from jam berries yeah there's so many we'll start with probably one of the better known ones the disney peter pan cartoon animated version back in 1953 53 53 it's now been what 55 years since we doing or now it's been more than that 75 years Uh, a little closer to i'm terrible with numbers (laughs) so i'm around that age um that number from from Disney, Disney like really finally uh, got the rights to 
talk the the story of, of Peter Pan, and you know Walt Disney himself he 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 produced it, and it it, be, it was the fourteenth Disney animated features from RKO Pictures Radio Pictures. Absolutely, and and it's the one that you know as you talked about is really well known. I think uh, when we had the discussion about passing down this story. Uh, this is the one that most people pass down and watch with their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the one I grew up with. Uh, it's it is iconic. It is fun. Um, it appeals to to the children because it is animated and it's Disney. And Disney is going to outlive every single one of us, anyways. <laughs> so, and I, I'm glad that Disney did this film so well that it took them decades to do another any adaptation of Peter Pan. Yeah, the, the, what works is obviously the musical numbers, but the fact that Peter is kind of arrogant, but not overly cocky like in the book. Um, and I think they do a better job of stringing the various things together. Um, you know, from one to the other, as you mentioned, like we're at the lagoon, then tiger lily, then seeing the, the, Indians and so forth, like it all ties together quite well, um, and even just using sort of Tink's dissatisfaction of Wendy to a greater advantage. Oh yeah! In the movie, um, I think that played well into it. So uh, a lot of a lot of good stuff there with that. Absolutely. So that was nineteen fifty three, and it has stood the test of time. Sixty five years. <laughs> I was in, I was in between. See, that's why go. I told you somewhere in between. <laughs> somewhere in between, sixty-five years since we do this show. Um, kind of congruently along with that, in 1954, Mary Martin uh, did a a musical version of it that has been done numerous, numerous times. Um, in 1960, it actually aired on television. Uh, and in color, which was kind of cool to see. Um, in fact, you want to raise that volume, Juliet, in the booth. This is Mary Martin singing I, I Can Fly. Here we go. This was a big production. I remember watching this, and uh, you know, each scene is like 20 minutes long because they have to use the entire set piece and not just for like in and out. Yeah. See. See, and that's such a big thing to be flying on stage because it is high production. You can say "quote unquote" high production value to have rigging involved. Mm-hmm. And, and this um, this play in particular has been done so many different ways. Uh, I mean, it's even current. We're as current with Christopher Walken and, and so forth. Mm. Like the fact that yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and I like it because we see a woman play Peter Pan, and it's generally usually a woman who portrays Peter Pan, even though Peter Pan is quote-unquote a guy. Um, They usually use women for the stage production because women tend to weigh less. Um, So that's And they're easier to rig and pull up on ropes. That's why generally they have the woman fly. There you go. I would have just used the boy. <laughs> yeah, but that that was, I know that's one of the main reasons why they used women as Peter Pan. Just because mm-hmm. they're lighter to fly around stage. Look at that. You learn something new every day. Yeah. That's that theater knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> well, after that, um, we don't necessarily get too much until until Hook comes along. Which, Hook is hit or miss with a lot of people. And, you know, from a from an idealistic standpoint, I understand that it can be a miss because the opening line pretty much is some boy, you know, all, everyone grows up except one boy, Peter. Mm-hmm. And the whole notion of Hook is that Peter grew up. Yeah, Peter grew up. <laughs> so, and what the great thing about Hook is that it is somewhat of a more of original story of Peter Pan that we know of since we got the you know original. And it was a nice take to see a different version of Peter Pan as an adult because that is the whole story. You never grow up. Peter Pan never grows up. And then you start with an adult Peter Pan. And you're like, wait, what's happening? And that just piques the audience interest. It's like, what happened to Peter Pan that would make him become an adult? And you just go in from there. And Steven Spielberg is 
obviously a genius in and of himself. So you, and then Robin Williams back in his heyday in the nineties when he's Dustin huge, Hoffman, Julia Dustin Roberts. Hoffman, and it was like that is such that's still a star studded cast in nineteen ninety one. So just the, it had a, already a lot going for them. Absolutely. And, you know, um, I, I think they use the themes available to them in the best of ways. Like like you said, you know, why would Peter grow up? Um, you know, and, and in that sense, like, Peter's compared to a pirate. <laughs> you know, he's an acquisitions lawyer, and he acts like a pirate. Uh, and so he's kind of become Hulk in that way. And then how does he regain his innocence while being, you know, an adult and having had grown up? Um and I think the movie in particular speaks well to your notion of, like, we pass things down. Yeah. And it's also, like, you can't, just because you grow up doesn't mean that you can't make time to play with your children or forget your your childhood and past and have fun. Like, go tap back into that childlike innocence. And, like, that is what Hook does so well. It takes Peter a, a few days to actually remember everything. Yeah, absolutely. so it was very realistic. Like he, he's not going to remember in just like an hour. No, and you know it, it kind of plays the flip side of in Neverland you forget, but then in the real world he forgot Neverland, mm-hmm. um, which is similar to you know Wendy in the book. She she started to forget about Neverland until it was her daughter Jane that kept reminding her, you know, hey, remember this, remember this. Right. Also, and the thing with Hook too that they did so well is that. Peter Pan had kids of his own. So there was also a bigger, um, you, you can say he had a bigger thing that he could lose. There, there, There's a bigger obstacle for him. Yes, and I, I think, you know, for the people that don't necessarily love it, I, I get that it's not a perfect movie, but there is there's some magic to it. And the fact that the last line pretty much is, um, to live is an awfully great adventure. Like, this, there's mm-hmm. just something amazing in that sentiment all right or well also the line in the book is to die it would be an awfully big adventure <laughs> and that's also in the movie as well yeah strike true good form <laughs> good form um and all these things and, and you know in particular for me reading the book strengthened hook because I, I i understood where certain things were coming from that weren't overly explained in the movie right and you can understand why hook has such a disdain for Peter Pan, too. Because when you read the book, Peter Pan is an annoying kid. And when you're an adult, he's like, go away, child, you know? Like, you can understand why Peter Pan, like, Peter Pan really annoyed Hook. Which is, you know, his kids, Peter's kids, actually, were annoying him. And so it's, again, he became a pirate. He became an adult. Yeah. Indeed. All right, so then um, we get to kind of a couple of things. Uh, Return to Neverland, which is a sequel to Peter Pan. Um, It's about uh, Jane being taken away. Now, unlike Jane in the book, um, she doesn't really believe in the Neverland. She's very skeptical and yada, yada, yada. And uh, the fact that she's taken away, you know, it's kind of like it's a whole rescue mission. Mm -hmm. So um, I actually have not seen this one. It's... It's one of the more lesser-known ones, I guess. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. It was one of those direct-to-at-this-time VHS-slash-DVD <laughs> times. So DVD it, was so advanced. It's so advanced. It, so, and when this came out in 2002, it, it kind of passed our generation, so to speak. I, n- I never went... <laughs> I never returned to Neverland for this <laughs> either. So, yeah, I, I missed it. Um, after that... Um, we get um, we get Finding Neverland. Yes. So this um, isn't necessarily an adaptation of Peter Pan. It's more so the real life. Well, it's a biopic of creating Peter Pan, uh, starring Johnny Depp, of course. Yeah, and I really enjoyed this because I watched this when it first came out. I was grand. I was young, so I was like the age of the kids in in this movie so like i really enjoyed it because i always appreciate when you find the real story behind the inspiration of something magical like um peter pan so it made me have a deeper appreciation for jm barry who he is as a person and what the llewellyn davis boys um did and helped conceive and 
the story for 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 jam and i really like just finding where like amazing things start from the originality point the origin point mm-hmm. absolutely and and so uh mark um Mark Forster did this one, which uh, he he just directed Christopher Robin. So I know that tam- time stamps it a little bit, but yeah. Um, so it's certainly within his wheelhouse of of these types of movies, and I think um, it's obviously it's not the story of Peter Pan, but it is the story of Peter Pan. It's mm-hmm. just as magical, ultimately. Yeah. yeah, and just like the the influence, because even Jam. Barry needed, you know, creation and other people giving him inspiration too. Yes, he's a writer, but he needed to write off of things he knew. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also around this time, Peter Pan uh, by Universal and Columbia did the most faithful adaptation, um, as has been noted, of of Peter Pan. Um, it's a it's a lot more darker, like both visually and everything else, tonally. Uh, I actually like this one a lot. It's um, it's fun. It's live action. Yeah, and, and, it, and I think it works well. I saw it years ago. I remember when it first came out, and I just remember Jason Isaac being so scary. Hmm. Um, like he was an actual true villain of Captain Hook. Because I feel yes, Dustin Hoffman was great as Captain Hook, but I remember Jason Isaac being like scary in hmm. this version of Peter Pan. Yeah, and. It- Believe he, it's funny enough that he played the dual role of uh, Mr. Darling as well, mm-hmm. who, for all intents and purposes, at the beginning certainly is scary. Yeah, where's my cufflinks? <laughs> right, but if you also think about it, sometimes children are afraid of their own parents, so they would imagine their worst enemy also be their, like their parent. Mm-hmm. Tis true. Tis true. All right, then um, I actually got you onto this, but uh, <laughs> the Neverland series. So it's a two-part miniseries. Um, it's a kind of like a prequel where uh, Peter and Hook start off as best friends, and then this is sort of deteriorates. Uh, they come into Neverland. It's it's a very interesting take. I think it's a lot of fun. Now, granted, it suffers from its budgetary constraints a little bit. But if you just use your imagination, you can fill in the gaps. It has mm-hmm. Kira Knightley in it as a pirate, so that's fun. And the voice of Tinkerbell. Um, I enjoyed Neverland. I've seen it a couple times. I, I thought it was cool because they took a lot of what we know of the original story of Peter Pan, but changed it just ever so slightly to make it seem more supernatural than it really is than magic. Just supernatural. Um, like Neverland is... It's like you have to go through a portal to get to Neverland, not like flying into the sky. It's like you have to hit an orb to get there. Um, I like it. It's cool. Um, the, the different locations of this particular Neverland, way more scary than the versions that we've seen. Like they have to climb trees and the, the caves look like you take one step and you're going to fall to your death. Yeah, and Peter's not flying in this. No, not yet. Not yet. Um, and I do like how they had to take like the human boy out of London and how he eventually came became the Peter Pan that we know. He it's not just this mystical boy who was already from Neverland. He's like, no, he he started off as human. Um and I like that because it it takes what we know but changes it just a little bit. Yeah, the whole the, the lost boys, they were all under the care of Hook. Um they were all in London. They Jimmy they, yeah, Jimmy. They they were together as like a band of thieves, and you know they stole. They ate what they stole, and that was kind of it. And through this magical possibility, you know, a life takes a turn. Yeah, and I like how they also built the story of Jimmy, quote unquote, James, um, because it is James Hook. Uh, that that they actually built a back, kind of a backstory to Peter Pan's or Peter's father um, that. Jimmy was the reason why he he died and all that. So like it naturally built a reason why there's a disconnect between them and why they become natural rivals. And like it, but it's very believable too. You're like, yeah, <laughs> if if you killed my father, I'd have some beef against you too. <laughs> yeah, that that happens. So uh, check it out if you haven't. Um, it is available um, in several places. If you just type in Neverland miniseries, you can get a copy of it. It's, it's 
like a three-hour movie. It's fun. It's actually yeah. fun, though. It's good. Yeah, absolutely. It's a fun revisionist-esque prequel. Yes. Uh, now, another sort of prequel was Pan. And by God, this was a terrible movie. <laughs> I didn't watch it because I heard it was such a terrible movie. And I love Hugh Jackman. Yeah, Hugh Jackman plays a pirate, not Hook. Um there's Rooney Mara, and she plays Tiger Lily, which she got a lot of flack for. Yes. Um, it's just bad. I don't know how to describe it apart from it's just bad. Man. I saw a clip from it, and they were it was the clip where I believe Blackbird, not Blackbird, Blackbeard, um, you know, played by Hugh Jackman, was being introduced to everybody and like to the audience, and they're playing a song. They're playing Nirvana. Yeah, they're playing Nirvana song, which is smells like Teen Spirit. So not a song that you would see in Neverland, and just kind of takes away just the magical element that is Neverland and adds in reality to it, and, and it just it doesn't match. And I just saw one clip. I was like, yeah, nah, I'll pass. Yeah, it's. I can't s- just do yourself a favor. Don't you don't need to see this. <laughs> I've saved you the trouble of two hours. Skippable, very skippable. And it was supposed to. Here's the thing: it, the, the concept is good. It was supposed to set up a fun sequel where um, you know a Hulk and now Peter go at it and so forth. We're never going to get the sequel, obviously, because of how badly it did. Yeah, but um, it just. It's such a missed opportunity. That's that's the that's the real crux of the pain for me. Um, and what I enjoy, and uh, one adaptation that I really enjoyed, I watched, but I believe you haven't. No, I did not. Once upon a time, the television show, the ABC version, in the second and end of the second, beginning and all through the third season of Once Upon a Time, they had the character of Peter Pan. They went to Neverland. I mean. Captain Hook was already introduced to Once Upon a Time, but then they eventually went to Neverland. Um, that was the, the land they got lost in for season three. And we had Peter Pan and his Lost Boys, but they actually did a darker twist on Peter Pan. He was actually a nemesis, um, which the original content, like Peter Pan technically is the nemesis, but you always like him and stuff. And this Peter Pan, he was the actual villain of season three. And mm. he, he was played by Robbie Kay, but very well done, because you don't expect it. He starts off actually nice and innocent to, to gain the trust of, you know, the all the 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 charmings, the charming family from once. Um, he He's nice to them to gain the trust, but then he eventually turns on them. Mm. And you're like, Peter Pan, evil boy. Wicked evil boy. Yeah. Great great adaptation of a character that we thought was going to be a good guy. Well, maybe one day I will check it out. Yeah, there you go. Uh, if you want to go into the archives in our AfterBuzz TV, Once Upon a Time After Show, Marissa does an amazing breakdown of each of the episodes. So yeah. start with season one and then just continue on. Till Neverland. Yeah, second start to the right straight on till morning. Just keep going. <laughs> that's right. It might take you all until all morning to, to catch up, but that's okay. Right. You got I, time. I talked about every single one of those episodes, so yeah. All right, so now let's shift gears and um, let's talk about your favorite portrayal of the character. Usually we kind of dissect it and say, okay, do we think this person matched up with what was in the book? The fun part with an episode like this is you get to pick your favorite portrayal. Mm. It can be for so. Um, let's hold off on Peter, right? We'll save him. Okay. Um, let's start with the with the hopefully easier ones, Mister and Mrs. Darling. Um, I love them in because I only grew up with like three main ones. Uh, I I love the the Disney's version, nineteen fifty three, because I remember Mister Darling constantly yelling at the kids, taking Nana outside, putting her on the leash. I was like, what are you doing? dog doesn't deserve to be outside so i remember just being upset at mr darling but that was the character you're not supposed to like mr darling and then the the wife um just being super nice and tolerant of it all so i think they definitely got the essence of the parents Mm -hmm. that yeah you know for me it was either that or the mary martin musical um because i think they were just so true to kind of who they were and and whatnot they're just just overall fun um, for Mister for for Toodles, I like the Hook version. I've lost my marbles. Yeah, I lost my marbles. Same here, because um, I also rewatched Hook. I was like, Toodles is so fun, and just the little 
taking on the the line of losing his marbles, but then getting them back and finding his innocence and going back to Neverland. You're like, ah, toodles. <laughs> yeah, I loved him too. Um. All right. What about Tiger Lily? Tiger Lily. Uh, I would have to say definitely. Um, uh, the the Disney version too because she was fun. She didn't talk a lot. No. But she did play a key part in everybody saving her. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, she Tiger. That's the Tiger Lily I most remember. I'm trying to think back to the Peter Pan movie, um, not the '53 one, but the live action one. Um, it's, my answer is certainly not going to be Pan played by Rooney Mara. <laughs> not unfortunately, that was terrible. So mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I would say the Disney one or the Peter Pan one. Although I can't quite fully remember that. All right, what about John and Michael? John and Michael. I loved the boys that played in the Peter Pan Live musical that just mm-hmm. came out a few years ago. I think they were great. They definitely had the, the age down, and they sang as well. They were fun. I found them more realistic um, because I think they were just humans that I could follow. Fair enough. Th- this was a tough one. I'm going to go with the 53 version on this one, just sort of by default. Um, although the Mary Martin one, uh, I think they do, they have more expanded roles, so I think they could be fun. But, um, yeah, I guess the 53 version, the fact that they're, uh, like Michael in particular, he, he has, he kind of emulates Peter in that way, right? Like that's what, Mm. that's what he's there for. And he's just so proud of himself for, for doing these things. So, um, I think that's a fun version too. Yeah. I think I liked the, the Peter Pan musical the live musical one more personally because i had watched the their audition process that Mm -hmm. was one of the specials that they had before the actual production went live um they showed the behind the scenes of the process of the two boys actually going through the audition process getting going going through all their callbacks and then like they i saw them actually earn their role and Mm -hmm. and then when i saw them perform i was like yeah yeah they're it well speaking of uh this is a great opportunity to also let our fans know that's you that you can comment and let us know your favorite portrayals your favorite um adaptation and and kind of history and uh, with with peter pan anything of that nature we're curious you know that's why we do this it's it's our online book club yes marissa and i talk but you get to participate just as equally Mm -hmm. we'll read it we'll comment and all all that stuff but moving on smee 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 what about me I love Smee in the 1953 version because he's so freaking funny. <laughs> um, especially the scene where he's like shaving Captain Hook's neck and then he's actually shaving the bird and the bird flies away. He's like, oh, oh dear, I've never shaved this close before. And he actually <laughs> thinks he kills Peter Pan or took off his head. It's hysterical <laughs> as a cartoon character. Yeah, it, to me, it's either between him or or the one from Hook simply because... He was Smee is just a fun character because he placates to Hook's just ridiculousness, oftentimes, yeah. and um, that's that's what I absolutely love. So um, I'll go with Hook on this one just to be different than you. <laughs> okay, Smee, Smee, what about me? Smee. Um, all right, Captain Hook. Captain Hook. I mean, I love Dustin Hoffman. He's amazing. I think he's the most iconic version for me, even though I said Jason Isaac was, like, realistic scary. Mm -hmm. Um, Dustin Hoffman in Hook. I mean, the movie's called Hook. It's not called Peter Pan. It's called Hook. And I think he just embodies that role. After all, what would the world be like without Captain Hook? Without Captain Hook. Yes, and Dustin Hoffman, just phenomenal actor, obviously. So, um, but... I'm actually going to go with Neverland on this one because I think Jimmy, it's just a different version of Hook, okay. and it's just fun to see that side of it. So I, I appreciated that that version, um, although Dustin Hoffman, again, very, very iconic. Yes. All right. For all the marbles. <laughs> oh, actually, we skipped uh, Wendy. Oh, yeah, Wendy. Gotta talk Wendy. Yeah, I... I did like Wendy in the 1953 version because she was young, she was innocent. You felt for her when the mermaids tried drowning. She was the mother when she sang the song, that lullaby <laughs> song. I liked her. She She's exactly what Wendy should be. I liked her, um, although my my number two is from Hook just because she's 
I, I love Maggie Smith and kind of saying, like, you, you know, the stories are true. Although my top, top one is from the Peter Pan live action one. Okay. Uh, just because it's fun to see a real life Wendy. Yeah. You know. All right. Peter Pan himself. Peter Pan. Who Ooh. is your top Peter Pan portrayal? Goodness, goodness. Well, I, I've mentioned it s- several times. I think the 1953 Disney version is like so ingrained into my my childhood. Mm-hmm. When I hear the name Peter Pan, I automatically think this character. And it's a Disney character. It's an animated character. But he looks like a mystical creature elf, but also <laughs> like a boy. Um, he could fly. He was funny at times. I This is the Peter Pan of my generation, in my opinion. Fair enough. I'm going to highlight the biggest missed opportunity, Pan. I thought the, 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 the actor who played him was a great actor to play the role of Peter Pan. Hmm. Just the story did not fit him. So going off of what did fit... Um, I'll actually say Mary Martin. I think she has uh, this this playfulness about her where it's not cockiness, but um, nonetheless, she embodies it quite well without going too far. Okay. Now I have to watch this version. You should. You should. I, should. I love musicals, too. So. Um, all right. So as we wrap out, let's uh, also highlight the, the – what's that? I said- what about Tinkerbell? Oh, oh Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell. Julia, Julia, Julia Roberts, Roberts, of course. Uh, She's you know, so good. And popular contrary uh, belief, the original Tinkerbell was not drawn after Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> oh, I can see where people would make that a you know correlation. But I think Julia Roberts was just so good at Tinkerbell. Yeah. And she got to play like two different kinds of people i mean she played the 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 fairy size and then but she did get her wish in playing a human size so she she got two different versions of a tinkerbell that we're not used to seeing no she was a lot more fairies in the book are are very one-minded they're either angry or happy yeah she was very humanized too because you can tell that she played with the lost boys she encouraged peter to find his innocence again she was a through line throughout all of hook yeah, she, she. I mean, she's the one who brought him to Neverland. Exactly. She was such a big character in Hook. Indeed. All right, so um, as far as the legacy, something that you guys were talking about before we went on air, this is how far Peter Pan extends. Number one, I knew about the statue in London. So that in and of itself is quite an accomplishment. But you know you've made it when Mary Kay and Ashley make a movie... <laughs> Not necessarily based on you, but but make it a point to be a plot point in your movie to go see the statue with Peter Pan. So much so that Juliet, our engineer, went to London and saw the Peter Pan statue. Not because of the Peter Pan statue, but because, because of Mary-Kate of Mary and, and Ashley. Duh. I mean, I totally would as well. Mary-Kate and Ashley were a staple in my 90s childhood. I was part of their fan club. Yeah, you bet it. I had a monthly package from them every single month. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Yep, true story. I had their toothpaste. Yes. Well, this ain't about we, American Nashville. We can get into it now. <laughs> All right. We Unless digress. it was Peter Pan toothpaste, that's yeah. as far as we're going today with American Nashville. Yeah, but to go off of the legacy of, of J.M. Barry and Peter Pan also, that at his death, J.M. Barry's death, he gave the, the copyright to the story of Peter Pan to a London children's hospital um it was the ormond street hospital in 1929 um and they they had the rights to the story and, and all then, the royalties yeah there's been a lot of copyright issue because of that fact mm-hmm. uh, so a lot of headaches but uh luckily it's overall sorted out and uh you know what i'm i'm always down for a good peter pan story so if you got them make them yeah i will read watch whatever you got anyway um, the final thing that we have to tell you is, of course, what book slash movie we're going to do next, which is Cold Mountain. Yeah. So, 
you have a whole month to ch- to read the book, to check out the movie. It's one movie, it's one book, so unlike this, it's, you know. It's a long movie. <laughs> I'll let you know. It's actually one of my favorite movies, so this is why we're covering it. Look at that. But she has never read the book. Never read the book, but I, I love the movie so much that hopefully I love the book, too. <laughs> so check it out. Um, also, pun intended, we are building up our library. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, you know, we've been going for quite a number of months, slow and steady wins the race type of thing. So if there's any movies slash books from the past, like, for example, we did Princess Bride last time around, which, believe it or not, is a book, because why else would we be talking about it on this show? So, you know, do yourself a favor. If you've read the book, uh, you've seen the movie or whatnot, go back in our archives and check it out. Yeah. And, you know, Princess Bride is so legendary. Also, I rewatched the sword scene, the sword <laughs> fighting scene yesterday. It's just so good. I dropped everything. As I was supposed to be reading this book, I dropped everything to rewatch that scene. All right. So good. I don't know how necessarily to feel about that, but at least you read this book, so kudos. There you go. All right. In the meantime, you can interact with us on a personal level at Serafini TV. That's right. If you love books as well, Marissa does um, a When Calls the Heart series for the tv show which of course is also based on the book series yes so chesapeake chesapeake shores also based on a book series as well indeed so check that out uh i'm at phil svitek you can follow me there i do a weekly series uh, where i teach lessons marissa's gonna be on my latest one doing something quite special so um, check out that. That's uh, Phil Tech Podcast. Juliet is one of the producers on that. Shout out to her. Um, she's at Bonjour Juliet. Might as well say that. And last uh, but certainly not least, if you like what me and Marissa do, we, we do it for movies specifically on a weekly basis through our Anatomy of a Movie series. So uh, we dissect movies from a behind-the-scenes perspective, from a story perspective. So check it out. Anatomy of a Movie. We do it for current movies primarily. Um, we interviewed uh, Selena Tan from uh, Crazy Rich Asians, and we'll be covering the, the full dissection this Friday yep. for Crazy Rich Asians, which is also a book. Um, anyway, we'll see you next time. Bye! From executive producers Kevin Undergaro, Maria Menounos, and Jeffrey Masters, thanks for tuning in to Book Circle Online. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. To suggest a book title or their author, you can tweet us at BookCircleOn. This is Book Circle Online. Thanks for tuning in. Views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.